Welcome to the Gig Stories podcast, as always with me and him, Christopher Payne. How are you, Chris? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I am doing good. I'm doing good. I'm r- really excited about about this episode. Um, oh, yeah. A, a guest I've long admired and just such a, a, a lovely chat, a lovely chat. But before we get into that, come on, let's have the... Uh, Parish notes, parish notice board. Is that what? Yeah, parish saying? notes. Yeah, parish notes. yeah, absolutely. And first off, um, just a bit of sad news, really. Um, from episode twenty-six, our guest Howard Murray, um, saxophonist, and my father-in-law, he sadly passed away on New Year's Eve, um, which was the anniversary of his first ever gig. Um, his first ever gig was in nineteen fifty-eight. And also, it was the 22nd anniversary of my first ever gig with him, as we mentioned on the pod. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he was never one for not doing a bit of um, showmanship, um, shall we say. <laughs> so he's, he, he chose a pretty pretty good date to, to clock out on. So, yeah, just uh, I, I would just suggest if you haven't listened to that episode it is um, funny and it, it's interesting and it's loads of fun. And that's not because of us, us pair of idiots. It's because of Howard. And um, yeah, just have a have a check out of the uh, of the episode because it's oh, I hate to say it, but it's what you would have wanted. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really is worth your while. I um, I didn't know Howard and not met Howard before, um, and so I couldn't really do any homework either or preparation and so the episode you hear it just turned out to be the most fun genuinely interesting chat and what I like about it compared to our other chats you know we're lucky enough to speak to a lot of sort of professional musicians and um, musicians who are, are well known as well but what I liked about speaking with Howard is that we were speaking to a, a man of a certain generation um who has spent his whole life as a professional musician and actually working, working the clubs, you know, not, not, not touring stadiums with, with his famous band. How how old was Howard? He had just turned 83. Yes. So a, a, a real generation from back in the days of jazz. And so it was, it was genuine privilege to be able to speak to him and, and to hear his experiences and, and his story, as I say, from my point of view, interesting as a working musician, it was just fantastic. What a what a lovely gentleman uh, he was as well. So, yeah, rest in peace, Howard, and uh, have a listen to that episode. Absolutely, go well, Howard. So, Christopher, um, I see one of your beautiful gig shots doing the rounds on social media from the artist themselves mr carl barat mm. you you went to see him uh last week and and they're using one of your one of your photographs uh, how was that gig oh it was awesome it was really good and it was um it was quite a last minute thing for me just thought that would be a nice one to to go to because it was at the met in berry which is one of my my favourite venues, mm. and I'd had a day of music already that day. I'd been photographing the Northern Chamber Orchestra in Macclesfield, and um, and so that was a quite an early concert. So I did have time only just 
to get on a train back from Macclesfield to Manchester and then a tram up to Bury, and caught the support band as well, which were a new one to me. Um, they're called the Gulps, and they're managed by Mr. Alan McGee. And I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, I think I think most people have heard of him. And um, all I can say is that he's a he's got a good set of ears on him. He knows a, a decent band. Um, big, when he like them. Terry Wogan. I couldn't see because when he was there, he, he had his hood up, I think, or did he have a hat? I can't remember. But I did not see his ears. Um, but I have to say that the gulps were, they were good. They looked like the real deal. They were, um, unfortunately, the, the crowd wasn't massive because a support band, they were on at half seven, which is quite early, I would say. Yeah. Quite, yeah. You'd normally expect the support to be on at least eight o'clock, and then the you know the the headliner on at half nine or something. But um, but anyway, they played as if they were playing in front of fifteen hundred people, and really compelling front man. They, uh, you know, I kind of want to pigeonhole them, so I'm going to pigeonhole them. Um, <laughs> they, they sounded they sounded a bit like a kind of punky version of the Cure, They're just good, just knockout. So they were great, and then Carl Barrett was on. Um, with his band doing some of his solo stuff, some of his stuff um, from the Libertines. And they were... And that's the yeah. first time you've seen him, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, because I've not seen yeah. the Libertines live. I've not seen Pete live. And yeah, first time for Carl. And um, he was just solidly rock and roll, you know. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was just really good. Just, you know, in complete command of what he was doing. And... Um, yeah, loved it. Really loved it. We, so need to, was, we need to go and see the Libertines now. Yeah, we really do. We really do. Um, so that was part of the Music Venue Trust's Revive Live tour, and there are loads still to come over the next few days. Um, so they've, they've had loads and loads of different gigs over January. Go right. to the Music Venue Trust website because there's loads of information there. Um, and yeah, I definitely recommend checking out a band this week if you can, because the Revive Live tour is kind of championing new music, but also championing smaller venues as well. And you might see a bigger band that might not normally play um, in such a, a small venue. So, um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Ooh, that that begs a question. I love I love it when stuff like that happens. Hmm. What's the biggest band you've seen, I suppose, commercially, in a small, and in the smallest venue? Which band uh, have you seen uh, that was massive in a small venue? Um, well, it'd be difficult not to say Charlatans in Gorilla, recently from oh from the last NHS year, gig, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, as part of independent venue week yeah that's it independent venue week um at at the met again i photographed slow readers club um so yeah and obviously they were they're they're just standard knockout anytime they play anywhere um yeah i think i think they would be or or um the other one would be james brown in bridgewater hall God, that's a belter. <laughs> that's an absolute belter. Yeah. Wow, this in Bridgewater Hall. I wish I could have seen that. I think my my obvious one is um, U2 in the Astoria. Mm. They, did a, they did a fan club competition. They played one, one in New York and one in London. 
Yeah, well, I think we, t- we talked about that with Rick McMurray. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That was just because he weird. was there. He was there as well. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. He was. Yeah. Weird seeing stuff like that. So, you know. Anyway, I don't want to turn it into a competition because um, we're fed up with competitions, aren't we? Well, one of us is, um, by all accounts. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, um, towards the end of last year, I put in a list of favourite tracks to XS Manchester um, as part of their Your XS um, feature, which they do every weekday in Sophie Svensson's show. Um, and what you do is you put 20 tunes together, send them in, and if they like them, they will play a selection of them over the course of one hour. So you're essentially programming that, that hour. Um, so you did 10 and I did 10, and we thought we'd do it as a little competition to see who was the best. Oh, no, no, no. You you thought we'd do that. No, we thought that. Or, alre- already, already there. Collectively, we thought that. explained more than than I knew. So before Christmas. Mm, not so sure there. about that. No, Chris not just sure said, give me, give me 10 tracks that, you know, we can play on the radio. We'll choose 10 each. I didn't know this was a competition <laughs> and I did not, certainly not know that they only play a handful. And in Chris's head, whoever's, <laughs> whoever's list has played the most is the winner. It's the, no, 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 not the winner, the best. <laughs> Uh, get it right. Um, yeah, I mean, winner, winner, the best. Yeah, come on. I'm either or both. I'm waiting with bated breath. What What was the results? Uh, I, I can see the smug look on your face. <laughs> I won because six I'll be four. Honest, if I, it, you won six four. What, yeah. Whatever, whatever. They they you, they didn't play six of your tracks. They played six of my tracks. They played four of yours, and they played one which neither of us chose <laughs> for some reason. I've got no idea why. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I don't think it would... Well, I mean, nothing I against... Mean, if it, um, America by Razorlight. I've got nothing against America by Razorlight. Um, have you got but, anything against Razorlight, though? Mm, not, not really. I mean, I've, uh, I, I don't have any strong feelings either way, to be honest. That's um, funny, because when I said the same to Johnny Burrell about you, he was like... Mm. <laughs> I've got strong feelings about Chris Payne either way. So yeah. let, let me again just highlight, had I known that this was some kind of competition as to how many of these songs would be played on excess, you know, daytime radio, I'm not sure I would have plumped with Jeff Buckley's Last Goodbye or Radiohead's Weird Fishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says. Yeah, it's a fair point, but... Um... Go on, tell me which, which, which four of mine were chosen and then which... One million of yours were chosen. Uh, Motorcycle Emptiness by Manic Street yes. Preachers. There's a shock. Will We Talk by Sam Fender. Again, shocking. Um, there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm really shocked that, that you chose yep. that. Uh, Regret yep. by New Order. <laughs> and uh, Telling Stories by Charlatans. Possibly their best ever song. Yeah. So um, go on, uh, read your efforts out. Uh, Pure Essence, This Feeling. Okay, banger. Uh, McCallum and Butler, yes. Okay, one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, Blur, The Universal. I love British Gas. Uh, Doves, There Goes the Fear. <laughs> Anything they play. Uh, Shed Seven on Standby. Love them. And Gaz Coombs, I actually uh, asked for The Girl Who Fell to Earth and they played 
deep pockets instead. But I think it probably still stands because they played. All right, so they no. did play. No, they they kind of they did play Gaz Coons, no. which was my choice. And that means so. they played they played five of yours, four of mine. I think you stuck on the end of my list somehow. Razor Light America. So that makes it five all a draw. Um, no, I think I think it's five <laughs> five four and well. We'll, we'll call America Razor Light a half point each. So it's five and a half to four and a half. Well, actually, you've just said that you don't have feelings for Razor Light. And I love them. America by Razor Light is one of my favourite songs ever. And I put it as number 11 in case they needed to replace something like Weird Fishes by Radiohead. Okay. Um, so are you technically calling it a draw, Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah? Is that, is that what's happening? This is oh, wow, unbelievable! This is just an affront to democracy. You're going to storm. Yeah. You're going yeah. to storm the capital. No, I'm going to storm Heaton Park. Yeah, yeah, and this, that'll learn you. That'll learn you. And then you'll be, you'll be down the the excess um, Manchester studios with your spear, your spear, and your hat with horns on it. Exactly, my razor-like T-shirt with America yeah. on. Yeah, because I love, I love America. Yeah, yeah. This competition is um, going to continue. Do you know what? Because I'm such a lovely fella, I'm going to say, okay, it was a draw. So it means we need to do it again, and this time, uh, so we'll we'll see if we can do it again with excess. We'll choose completely different tunes, and <laughs> then we'll see. And you'll have all the knowledge to your fingertips, so you won't be able to, you know, blame just the voting machines or whatever. I'm just going to choose all Cortinas and Oasis. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. The game is afoot. The game is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of games and feet and football, wow. uh, you like wow. Liverpool, and so does our next guest. Yes, can you, absolutely. Can you see that? A man of impeccable like? taste. Absolutely. Well, a man of taste. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mr. James Walsh of Star yes. Sailor and of James Walsh fame as well. Uh, uh, I was putting together the playlist on Spotify for his webpage, um, which you can view now on our website, gigstoriespodcast.com. Absolutely. Yep. And so his playlist is all, uh, I was going to say it's all razor light tunes. <laughs> <laughs> He loves them. He yeah. absolutely can't get enough can't of Razor. Get enough Razor Light. Um, no, he it's all all it's all Star Sailor and James Walsh solo stuff as well, which is just gorgeous. And what one of the tunes that you'd put forward for the Excess playlist was um, uh, Jeff Buckley yeah. uh, tune. What tune was it again? Last goodbye. Last goodbye. But honestly, if there's a voice that is like a twin of uh, James Walsh's. It's Jeff Buckley's. Honestly, wow. I just think the the falsetto that he gets, that it, it's got this real lovely vibrato and uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember seeing Star City for the first time and well, even hearing them, I could hear that voice on record and just think this, this voice is just gorgeous. And then mm. seeing them live, fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. And I do love that album. I like I like those first two albums. I know um, the second one wasn't as commercially successful as the first, but uh, I'm not asked about all that. Um, it was it was a, a great record. And 
I really, yeah, I really like Star Sailor and mm. I really like his solo stuff, James's solo stuff. It, yeah. There's just yeah. a beautiful, fragile, um, wonderful richness uh, to him. I mm. just, oh, I just think it's great. And he's a lovely, thoughtful guy. That's what I enjoyed about uh, this chat is he put a lot of thought into his answers and some unexpected stories and anecdotes, some batters. Yeah. I did not expect Nickelback to be turning up in this particular interview. Nor did I, nor did I. Exactly. So no more talking, sit back and enjoy Mr. James Walsh. Yes. always with me alex and my spectacled friend christopher and chris which room are you in this episode where you recording this Can't i'm tell. in i'm in my son's room again um so yeah we're having work you done look like you've house. changed position though you look like you've changed position but i have left the room since the last time we recorded so uh, i've got a different jumper on i like that so I'm very excited about our guest today, and I'm failing at not being a fanboy and have long admired uh, this man's voice and his music and lyrics. And so it's a pleasure to welcome James Walsh from Star Sailor. Welcome to the Gig Stories podcast, James. Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, no, honestly, it is our pleasure. And your your music has, has played a, a big part of my life over the past <clears throat> years. I was thinking about how many years it was, and obviously the tour that you're on and it just blows my mind how how does that make you feel James 20 years <laughs> um quite proud in a way obviously a little bit old but <laughs> um, yeah I feel like you go through a stage just after an album's come out and every, and it's really sort of hyped up and everyone talks about it where you almost try and escape that hype and that um that atmosphere and think now I'm going to prove that I can do other things and I can be something else. Um, I need to work out how to turn this phone off. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I think when it comes around to like 20 years and you see uh, people's kids in the crowd, um, it just, it, there is an immense kind of sense of, of pride that it's, it's lasted this long and people still get excited about us doing gigs because there's certainly music that people listened to 20 years ago that they're embarrassed to admit that they, <laughs> that they did. So we're glad that people have, um, the fans of ours have kind of stayed true. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a genuine comments and I've admitted to being a fanboy, so you, you may not believe me, but I think uh, when I think of, um, lullaby and alcoholic and good souls and and songs and that album which honestly i i played to death it almost hasn't aged i feel that some of those songs you could release right now and they would sound completely relevant whereas there's other artists from that time and albums that i've listened to and have seen and still listen to mm. and i can tell that it's aged but that's not a bad thing i, I think mm. people think that that's a negative but I think your 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 music and those those songs still sound really relevant. How does it feel to you 
does that feel does it feel the same to you because you're the one that has you know has actually played those for the past 20 years um i think i i'd agree with you to a certain extent where musically and lyric uh yeah musically and and production wise whatever it's kind of stayed quite fresh and um the only aspect that that feels slightly like it's aged a little bit or, or not so much aged but it's harder to relate to is the the lyrics were kind of written from the gaze of a um, 20 year old kid yeah um so looking back on it now like Matt had a lot more life experience and it is kind of weird sort of singing the the words and the emotions and the thoughts of little me <laughs> that's yeah the, really. that's the aspect that's kind of uh feels uh feels slightly i'm trying to get the words right because it is it is we are still incredibly proud of the songs and i i enjoy performing them but maybe the lyric part of it is more of a performance rather than conveying something that i apart from songs like good souls that that the message of that song still holds true yeah maybe maybe some of the other songs i'm i'm telling a story and conveying this message of the young me rather than me saying um sort of how i feel about things now yeah i suppose it's like a a a diary almost you know because the lyrics are so personal um if you look back at a diary that you were writing 20 years ago you know that diary entry would be absolutely valid for that time but yeah it's not it's not you now um, yeah. But yeah, I, I suppose maybe you, you you sing you kind of sing in some of them ironically a little bit now, um, <laughs> or with some dramatic irony. I suppose um, if you're to get all Shakespearean about it, you know, singing something yeah. where you know you know the meaning has changed because of what's happened since you wrote them. Yeah, and the the melodies are still still really good as well, and still stand yeah. up. Um, so but yeah, I don't. I Could don't you... want to downplay it too much. Or no, absolutely. No, no. It too much. <laughs> Would you say that, it, um, whether it's now, then, or the same, when you are writing lyrics, would you say you are, uh, so that album specifically, as we're, we're talking about it, would you say that you were autobiographical or were you a storyteller and just putting your, because you said, you know, 20 year old me, was it 20 year old storyteller you, or were you actually putting a lot of your life experience uh, into those lyrics? Um, mainly autobiographical, a, really? a little bit of storytelling. Like people often ask me, like, um, is my dad an alcoholic? And <laughs> yeah. do I, yeah. do I have sort of direct experience of that? And, that particular song is more a, a, an observation of characters that I'd meet and um, babies that would be sort of brought into a pub and pass around everyone and, yeah. and a kind of comment yeah. on nature and nurture. And um, that's another song as well that you kind of, um, as a as a 20-year-old, I felt confident that I could sing and write about whatever I wanted and just shoot from the heart kind of thing yeah whereas now i feel much more uh what's the word just much more reticent to to touch on subjects like that and to write so directly about it um because it's it's a much more complex issue than maybe i 
realized at the time. I think it's it's the same for most. It's in your sort of young adulthood, you're completely uh, this sort of weird mix of huge self-confidence and I know who I am and I know what I believe yeah. and I know what I'm doing and, and then half of you is like completely fragile and sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> and also I suppose years later you you it's only years later that you understand what you didn't know at at the age of twenty. Yeah. 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 Um, but you probably if you if you did at the time you probably wouldn't wrote, wouldn't have written the song. So you know it's um, yeah. is your is your writing process quite different now? To, to how it was back then and this is for um, someone who's not a musician songwriter so it's a it's a genuine question um yeah I think a little bit I guess uh, I'm sort of a bit less com- less less self-conscious about the kind of songs that I'm writing um part of that's to do with uh, when you when you sign to a label they expect a certain number of ballads a certain number of up-tempo tracks and Hmm. Um, there's there's sort of you're conscious of where what an album needs or what a project needs whereas now I just my writing's a lot freer and a lot more I've got a bit a few spare hours so I'll just sit and write a song and see what happens did you find that was the case more for the the first album or was it the the so-called difficult second album that you were yeah. <laughs> you were kind of you know you had pressure on you yeah I guess even recording the first album because we'd right. uh, we'd uh, got signed and we'd released the Fever EP and I think Good Souls had maybe come out as well so we still needed to uh, I think we needed sort of three or four more songs for the record so there's definitely a bit of pressure and and thing in the back of your mind that lots of people are going to hear these songs and um, we need to make sure they uh, fit with the flow and the sound of the record. So moving on to now, and you are about to take that album on tour. How, how does that, how does that feel now? Do you, do you feel 20 years later confidence? Do you feel like you have to rehearse even more or do you, are you excited? Are you nervous? What, what what's going on in your head? Um, well, we played a gig in Warrington on the on the like the actual twenty year anniversary of the album. That's right. Um, so that that went really well, and we rehearsed, did a few days rehearsal for that. So yeah, it's just because. So spoiler alert: the <laughs> the set for the tour isn't going to be a million miles away from that gig. We're just going to have a little sort of freshen up and. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in kind of over rehearsing things either. I, I think if you if you try and perfect it too much, you you get a bit complacent and start kind of going through the motions. So I think it's it's good. It, there's definitely a a happy sort of middle ground. You need to you need to know that you've gone through it a couple of times, but not a hundred not hundreds of times. Yeah, is that how you were back in the day as well? Um, when you when you first started as a band, or were you were uh you know, were you one of those bands that rehearsed all the time? Yeah, we, we did rehearse more in the early days, um, I guess, because we were, we'd write in rehearsals as well, or I'd bring songs in for the band to kind of, um, to play around with and help arrange or whatever. So yeah, it's, it, uh, I think particularly in the, in the very early days before you get a deal, it's, it's something you do for enjoyment and to, 
sort of catch up with your mates and have a few beers afterwards and it just gets more and more difficult to almost to to justify that in a way when you've got families and uh, bills to pay and <laughs> <laughs> don't want to sound too uh too downcast or whatever but yes yeah, you're kind of more focused on working when you have specific projects and and things to work towards oh yeah i'd like i love a deadline love a deadline yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i've always said that about chris yeah. <laughs> do you when you're performing now do you feel do you feel more relaxed than ever more confident more like um, I know what I'm doing, or do you think you perhaps always had that? Um, yeah, I think uh, I th- it, it really depends on the crowd. The crowd is so important for me. It's like when you get up on stage and you get a really good reaction and things are going well, then I, I really feed off that and enjoy it. Um, but if for whatever reason it's a bit of an off night from the crowd, I, I always find Sunday nights can be quite tricky <laughs> quite difficult <laughs> yeah quite difficult because everyone's got work the next day and they're just not not quite they're not drunk enough. enough is that what you're not saying drunk not enough, drunk enough yeah <laughs> <laughs> or they're they're not uh, they won't sort of let go as much as a crowd on a friday night or even a thursday night so those gigs can be quite difficult but well uh, do you know what james it as a as a music punter gig goer you know, most of my life that felt the same being stood in that crowd. Sunday night gigs always felt so weird for me. Yeah. Going to Cardiff when, you know, things were closed, you know, everything else is closed apart from yeah. this, this one place that you're going to for this gig. And I used to think this is weird Sunday yeah. night gigs. <laughs> so it, it was from us. So I'm, I'm sorry if I've ever made no, that it's un- understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, James, we're going to take you back in a time machine to um, when you were growing up and just wondering what music was around you. When did you first become aware of just music in general? Really, um, I remember my mum had a cassette of Rubber Soul in a car. Yes. And we used to listen to that. Uh, my dad had a big uh, record collection. He was a big Springsteen fan. I used to go to the gigs with my uncle. Brilliant. Um, and my brother's a big music fan as well. He's a bit older than me, so he was uh, Stone Roses and New Order. Um, I guess, like like most people, the first time I became aware of music was row, row, row your boat, and uh, <laughs> the good the good ship sailed on the on the Ali Alio. Uh, Couple but, of classics in, there, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Couple of classics. But in, ter- in terms of uh, like popular music as we know it, yeah, my, my mum's uh, cassette of Rubber Soul and my, my dad's Springsteen records. Yeah. Did you used to play them when they weren't around? Can you remember the times where you started listening to music off your own back? Because we had a big stereogram when I was a kid. So it was, it was, it, do you know what I mean by stereogram? Yeah. Is that the right word? I'm not even Radiogram. sure. Radiogram. Radio, yeah. So it was really wide. And it was like a, almost like a cabinet and you'd open the top in the middle and it had the, the deck, the turntable. And, and I remember just putting records on there and just holding the edge of it and just dancing, just dance, dance, dancing, you know, with, with yeah. without my parents or without anyone there. And I knew early on 
what it, this music lark is is brilliant so do you, do you remember playing and listening to music sort of yourself you know without your parents um yeah we, we used to at christmas we used to get a now cassette or a yes or a sort yes. of hits hits um, <laughs> yes. cassette and <laughs> we'd like put put those songs on sometimes um yeah there's I think before I became aware of uh, what I should be, what's cool and and what music um, was for, I guess before you kind of find your tribe, it's just anything on the radio. It's it's got a good beat and a catchy lyric. You just Doctor Alvin. Doctor Alvin. Now we're talking because you're like, yeah, you you were you were dodging around it. (laughs) And there's no, Chris and I always say, there's no sort of guilty pleasures on here because there's no guilt. So my first records were Shaking Stevens. I was obsessed with Shaking Stevens. Bananarama and the 1985 Man United FA Cup final song. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Well, that's what I loved about the, um, and they were probably all in the same same hits or, now that's what I call music. They were probably all, <laughs> all in the same edition. That's what I loved about uh, Now or um, uh, Hits 4 or whatever. Just they had mm. all these just really random songs smashed together. And also it wasn't just the biggest selling songs of that particular time of the year because I think they were every six months, weren't they? Um, yeah. But it was, you know, which music promoters had paid them enough money or you had pushed a single so you had some really weird ones that probably didn't even (laughs) chart you know things that you know got to the top you know 75 or whatever but they would end up on hits seven or whatever and i love ray park i always remember ray parker jr ghostbusters and i'm sure it was then Stephen tintin duffy and and i'm thinking i mean what is that well i'm gonna out my age here but me and my siblings we were sending each other pictures We've got on vinyl those first load of now and hits. So we've got one, two, three, and that was often our present, shared present amongst <laughs> us siblings from my yeah. from my grandparents. And yeah, you got all your you got all your music for a whole year in um, in <laughs> two two pieces of vinyl there. Four sides of music. What? Yeah. You know, I mean, hits four was one which I I got. Um, when it came out and you know it was things like public image limited you know when they were absolutely banging out some you know real crackers Um, (laughs) but that was next to Whitney Houston and Pam and um, yeah I loved it what was the what was the kind of era of hits and now that's what I call music that you you were listening so what was it um, what was it you said Rosala or was it no. Uh, Dr. A- Dr. Dr. Alban, it's my life. It's my yeah. life. Right, it's so that's like about early 90s. Yeah, about 91, yeah. 92, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Which, let's be honest, gents, is inextricably linked now to Tampax. Yeah. Hear that Absolutely. song. Yeah. Hear that song, it's Tampax. Yeah. You know, yeah. that poor guy had a great, a great tune and then he sells it to that advert and that's all any of us in Britain of a certain age. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I was. I automatically thought of the other sanitary product, the the body form advert with the. Whoa! 
Yeah. But was that not so successful that it got released as a single? Funny <laughs> no way. Yeah. In the same yeah. way that, you know, Coke is it. And, you know, they had um, that that ended up getting released as a single. Um, the, yes. The Coke yeah. is it. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, I've got a funny feeling. Body form, body form got released as a single. I can't believe that. I can't yeah. believe that. I prefer their early stuff. <laughs> Before they got wings. So, uh, when when did you when did you sort of first pick up an instrument and start playing and and enjoying it, sort of thing? Um, around eleven, twelve, um, started learning the keyboard. And uh, yeah, not how long. Did, after how did that, that happen? Because a keyboard—that's quite a. You're going to get a keyboard. Was that from your mum or your dad or your encouraging you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's going back a few years now. So <laughs> yeah, the keyboard always felt like something that I was learning, uh, where like I didn't have a kind of natural ability for it. Really, it was. Uh, I picked it up reasonably easily, but it was when I started watching old Neil Young videos and Oasis was starting to come through and I decided I wanted to learn the guitar. I just um, took to it a lot easier and enjoyed it a lot more. And remember my dad won a, an old like nylon string guitar in a raffle that he just kept, <laughs> kept on, <laughs> he just kept on a shelf in his study. Um, and one day I just asked if I could, if I could um, take it down and started trying to learn these uh, Neil Young songs. And then I was away, really, started learning and you, Oasis and you were like, songs. And... You were like 12 years old? Yeah, yeah. 12 years old and you're wanting to learn Neil Young songs? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> Put me in my place. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was still listening to Michael Jackson at the, the age of twelve. I'm sure. I'm sure my mum and dad will listen to the podcast and be like, "What are you on about? You were 15 or whatever. <laughs> I'm 24. Still at school. And so, did, so did guitar come quite easily then? Yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty much self-taught on guitar, whereas, like I say, I'd go to keyboard lessons for for the piano, and yeah, just picked up what people taught me. Whereas with the guitar, I'd sit there with the tablature stuff and try and work it out for myself. Mm. I went for one um, guitar lessons. The my dad's uh, head teacher. And the music teacher at his school was like, I'll, I'll teach him guitar. And I went round to his house and he tried to teach me Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. Brilliant. Bearing <laughs> in mind that it's a great tune, but I'd only kind of learned G, C and E minor, which was most of the Oasis catalogue at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's kick you off with Mark Knopfler. <laughs> he's like, yeah, can you learn this riff? That, um, <laughs> I might need a bit of practice, but yeah. <laughs> it's just like surely this isn't guitar day one. So yeah. let's, let's, let's get the the guitar solo out of the yeah. way first, and then we'll yeah. work on the chords. And... 
Yeah. <laughs> is this really lesson one? Mm. I think we've skipped four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also, I remember that he plugged the guitar into his stereo as well, which was a weird move. I've never seen anyone do that since. Like he wow. didn't have an amp. He didn't have an amp or anything. It was, it was into like the orcs on his on this stereo. So that's what I, the orcs is for. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I think that, I don't know if that's genius. That, is that genius? I mean, there's an orcs plug there. I think, I think, I think it might be. I mean, it might that absolutely. Might be quite clever. It, it might screw your your stereo up. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> I, don't, Maybe. I don't know. Well, you're pretty limited. You're pretty limited on what sounds you can make with it as well. There's no reverb on there. No. On your average stereo. Really. Keeps it yeah, real, though. I've, I've always complained about that. Yeah. There's not enough reverb on my Where's stereo. Where's the distortion? <laughs> yeah. Where are the pedals on this? Yeah, yeah. And he's there going, hang on, this is lesson yeah. one. Yeah. Pedals come in lesson two, James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so when, when, did you, when did you sort of uh, become aware of live music and live gigs and thinking, I want to start going and seeing some live music. Was it, was it part of your upbringing? So were you sort of playing in school concerts or going, you, you mentioned that your dad was a head teacher. So were you going to, mm-hmm. you know, school concerts and things like that? Um, yeah, I was, I was always um, part of the choirs at school. Um, yes, me too. And my, I'm not religious in any way, but my mum and dad used to drag me to church. And I, the one thing that I enjoyed was um, singing. So that was, uh, yeah, just always, that was my first um, introduction to sort of live performance. And then did your um, folks take you to, because you, you were saying before that you, you, your dad was a big Springsteen fan. Um, were you taken to any gigs with by your, by your folks, you know, before you had any, you know, say in it? Um, you know, were you <laughs> taken, taken to anything or, or, uh, by them? Not that I remember. Uh, no. no. Um, apart from my, my uncle played in a Cayley band, so we'd go and watch him play the accordion when we were up in Scotland. Get in. Oh, yeah. You cannot beat a good Kaylee yeah. band. Yeah. You sure about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I'm absolutely. I, I had a Kaylee band at my wedding. I was thinking about them the other day. And honestly, hands down, I think they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. They were incredible. I'll, I'll Whoa, give them a shout out. How many episodes are we in now? And you've just introduced this. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Kaylee band called Kilter. Um, uh, most of them were fellow bandmates from a, another band that I used to play in, but um, they were Kilter. Yeah, so they're, they're possibly the best best Kaylee band in Scotland at the moment. Um, uh, other yeah. other Kaylee bands are available <laughs> <laughs> in Scotland. They are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's ma- there are many. Where are many. where did you uh, where did you grow up, James? In Chorley in Lancashire. Oh, you Charlie boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, mate. so um, your, your, were, your, were your parents going off to, to concerts? The only things I remember was my dad going to Springsteen gigs. He went to down to Wembley Stadium, I think, with on the Born in the USA tour with my uncle. Oh, wow. Um, and they would, yeah, I think they would go to the odd concert as well at Blackburn King George's Hall. Yeah. Oh have, yes, um, would have gigs on, um, and that's still that's brother. still a 
that's still a regular venue, is, is it? Yeah, not? yeah. Back to the judge soul, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my older brother would go to a lot of gigs as well. What gigs was he going to that you were aware of? Can you remember? Um, I think Stone Roses and New Order, Madchester Mad gigs, basically. Happy Mondays. Um, he, he went to the Hacienda and um, when he was up in Newcastle. He was at uni in Newcastle, so he'd go to gigs there as well. And the first gigs um, I went to were, were with him. Well, we were right. going to get on to that. So here we go. Here's the meat. Um, here we what, are. Do, what do you remember your first your first gig as? What would you class as your first gig? Uh, the Boo Radleys at yes. Warring, Warrington Park Hall. Fantastic. What um, year was that? Uh, 95. Okay, so it was it just... Been, it was just on the... Wake Up Boo. Yeah, yeah. Um, well... It's, it's funny when the Boo Radleys, because I think back then I had a bit of a love-hate because, you know, we had Wake Up Boo mm. shoved down our throats so much that I just thought, oh, what is this song? But actually, when you listen to that song, it is incredibly written. It is, yeah. it, it's, it's borderline genius. It, it might well be. The arrangements on it and everything are just, they're actually uh, amazing. And um, uh, they, they wrote so many Great yeah. songs, the Boo Radleys, really. The really Giant good. Steps album is really good as well. Oh, exactly. That was the one that got me onto them, Lazarus and... Um, Lazarus, that's the wish, one. Wishing yeah. I Was Skinny Amazing. and uh, I Hang Suspended. Uh, it's just yeah. such a good album. It's La- Lazarus is the one with the big brass line in it. it? Yeah, <laughs> but then it drops down to the most delicate... Yes. heartbreaking almost silence and then boom yeah. and ah it's it's a belter yes but then i also liked come on kids yeah and i was like wow this this is you know this is great so that's good so you're that's a hell of a first gig from from the bench at Belvedere, is that on Come On Kids? That's a yeah. lovely yeah. song. Yeah. Well I can we we talked about it in a couple of episodes ago two or three episodes ago uh, so i photographed boo radley's um they played night and day in manchester and obviously martin wasn't with them but they, they sounded fantastic they're really really good um and who knows you never know mm-hmm. it, it, maybe the original lineup will will surface again it's it's a also it's worth saying check out martin's new single as well yeah so the boo radley's okay. got new music have a listen and then Martin has also, Martin. yeah, he's just released a, a new single, and and I really like his uh, his solo stuff. He's really he's very creative, great. So Boo Radley's now, let's let's see sort of what levels we're on here, James. <laughs> so both Chris and I, ultimate geeks. So we have collected ticket stubs and merch and all kinds of shit over the years. <laughs> Did you keep that ticket stub? Do you still have your Boo Radley's ticket stub? Yeah. I don't, well, I don't have it in my possession, but it's yes. definitely with my mum and dad with all the all the stuff they cleared out of my yes. um, room when I moved out. Yeah. Welcome so, to the club, James Walsh. The shoebox, the shoebox club. We call the shoebox, it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's not just us, Chris. It's not just us. No, well, that's I good. That. Well, I can recommend um, it, when lockdown five kicks in, um, <laughs> if you can get some time. In between writing new songs, get your tickets from your mum and dad. Just get them and put them in a spreadsheet like I did over the first lockdown. 
uh, Excel be. spreadsheet, and one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I'm so sorry, James. I'm so sorry. <laughs> if, if, if you want to end now, I, I'll totally understand. <laughs> but if you do want to see his Excel spreadsheet, he can and will send it to you. <laughs> Excellent. So 95 then. Yeah. Well, I don't want to jump ahead here. But for me, 95 was a hell of a year for gigs. It was Boo Radley's. What do you remember about that gig? In fact, just talking before I jump on to your next gigs. Do you remember much of that gig? Um, so where was it, James? At Par Hall in Warrington. Par Hall, Warrington. Okay. So do you remember much of that gig? I remember it was really good. Um, I wish I, I had a sort of more, um, what's the word? A more poetic and um, <laughs> poetic sort of account. I, like, I remember when I walked through the doors and the spine, spine tingling. But I, I, just, I do remember that. It happened, does it? Yeah, I do remember um, being excited to be at a gig um, and to go to school the next day and say I was at this gig. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm ashamed to say as well, uh, I remember waiting for them to play Wake Up Boo because that was <laughs> the one that everyone knew. So uh, yeah. yeah, no need to be ashamed. No yeah. need to be ashamed. <laughs> Just going to text Martin now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because yeah, I, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because we have different experiences, and yeah, uh, you, it doesn't have to be a, a, a poetic answer because Chris and I both were sort of going to live music from a young age, but mainly classical concerts and traditional concerts. And, mm. and my first two sort of popular concerts I mean the first one was Michael Jackson at the stadium so I could give you a poetic answer because it was you know it was it was stupid it was stupid yeah. 50,000 people in the national stadium in Cardiff and him coming in on a jetpack obviously wasn't him and you know blah 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 yeah, yeah. but then my next one was the shaman in Newport Leisure Centre and I just remember most of the crowd gurning their faces off and, <laughs> and just smiling at me, encouraging me because I was, you know, younger and just thinking, what is going on? You, you know, yeah. and just lots of uh, dry ice. That that's what I remember. <laughs> that's what I remember of the shaman. So it, yeah, it doesn't have to be poetic, <laughs> but on both occasions for me, I knew this is something I love. Obviously, you and I go different ways you end mm. up fronting a band and I just have spent a life going to live music and for me live me I'll go and watch anyone you know I'd, and I would I sat outside the Millennium Stadium or National Stadium as it was back then when Bon Jovi played I didn't like mm. Bon Jovi but I would just sit outside and just listen to live music you know so did you was it like that for you or was it a gradual yeah I quite like this or do you think oh man this is brilliant I want to go to yeah. more live gigs yeah, I got the book then. I remember, I just remembered another little thing of going to that Boo Radley's gig was I, I took, a, I got a big poster and I had to, when you first start going to gigs, you have to get all the merch and all the, all the shit they're selling. So I still got that yes. big kind of black and white printed out poster. No um, way. Was it from inside the venue or was it from the pavement outside? Um, I don't remember to be honest. I think it must Come have been in, it must have been in the venue because uh it like I say it was sort of black and white, like like someone had just 
print, printed it out. Um, you that's got it the pavement outside. Come on, <laughs> that's what I was thinking, yeah. Um, that was that was really a thing in the. I mean, the nineties. I was generally either dance stuff or you know indie stuff, but mostly indie stuff. And that was that was the thing, wasn't it? You yeah. Would, if you were lucky enough. You'd have a bit of extra money for a T-shirt, poster, mugs. Uh, I've still got Bell and Sebastian mugs, Manic Street Preacher mugs. I mean, yeah. I'd have to, yeah, I'm sorry, posters. I have to question that, going to a gig and coming back with a mug. Really? Yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely ridiculous. It's totally stupid. So the floodgates opened then, and yeah. you just yeah. went to gig after gig after gig. And was that all yeah. in? Was that all in kind of a Warrington area, or was it into Manchester? Um, I went to yeah, j- just around the northwest. Really, I just fully embraced the the Britpop era. I went to see um, one of these places where I've I've never had cause to go since, but <laughs> it'll it'll always have hold kind of fond memories for me because I went to Hanley um, Civic Hall or whatever it was called to see Suede used to do fan club gigs. All right. Um, wow. So I went I went to see that that was the first gig where I kind of got on a on a sort of guest list or whatever because my brother was an accountant and um, the firm that he was working for at the time looked after Suede's accounts <laughs> so rock and he roll to, he managed to um he managed to get me on the list for this suede fan club gig and i got a t-shirt signed afterwards and it was just i remember taking my mate from school and i think we'd just finished school so we like finished school on the guest list for this gig and that was just incredible really yeah when when would that have been what year was that um it was coming up so it must have been 96 yeah, yeah. um that right. Is it went, 96 coming up nine, 95 96 it was 95 because i've just photographed the anniversary gate well tour yeah. and it was postponed for a year yeah. so it was it would be 95 this this is probably kind of leading on to another kind of section of the interview, but around the same period, I saw Pulp at a festival called Heineken Music Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was a free festival, but you got tickets by collecting ring pulls or bottle tops or something. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. old enough to drink at the time, so I, I got my dad to... Um, your daddy was an alcoholic. My dad was Thank alcoholic. you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good night. See you later. I remember, I remember uh, sort of pleading with my dad to go in these off licenses because you, <laughs> you had you had to find a you had to find a specific one that was doing these promotional ring pulls or bottle tops or whatever. Um, <laughs> and that it's weird because like now I'm a I'm a parent myself. I just think what. What a, what a spoiled brat kind of put in my oh please dad please can we go in another one oh no they don't have them in there can we try another one you're like oh god I, I long for the day that my son goes dad can we go to another off license we'll buy you some more beer yeah. 
okay, son. Yeah. Dad, you didn't buy any of the Heineken. You've come out yeah. with 24 cans again. Yeah. Craft brew. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they didn't have any Heineken, but they did have this lovely um, <laughs> pale ale. Pale ale. Yeah. And a, and a bottle so of Prosecco. Don't... Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> for your mum. For your mum. Don't tell anyone. Did, so you saw Pulp. Did you actually... So your dad, I'm assuming then, you found a place with promotional yeah. ring pulls. Yeah, and, yeah. And you saw Pulp. And yeah, would that, have been, would that have been different class? Yeah, ju- just prior to that album coming out. Oh, so who just, else was on that wow. bill? I'm, I'm interested in the bill now. Um, the Blue Tones. Yeah. Um, menswear. Yeah. And nice. I think... Yeah, that's that's all I remember. Is it about thinking kind of about peak it, Britpop? Yeah, thinking about it, I saw loads of people like went to Sefton Park in Liverpool to see Dodgy played in a, a big top. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Did they not do a tour of big tops? Am I imagining yeah. that? Ra- yeah. Radiohead did that. I don't know if Dodgy did, but yeah, I think I think it was um, was it Free Piece Suite. Yeah, yeah. Tour, that'll be. Oh, it. and they did. Yeah. Did Dodgy do the whole tour with a big top? Big top, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did it before Radiohead. Yeah, I think so. Oh, here's me thinking Radiohead were all the cool. No, Dodgy, Dodgy at that point. Well, I mean, they're they're great now, but um, but in '95, round about then, oh, they were on fire. They were so good live and finishing with. I think they finished with Grassman. That was their kind of Sprost and Green kind of yeah. finishing finishing with Grassman. Oh. So that so you saw you saw quite a quite a few and it sounds like you may have seen uh, you know similar tours to uh, to Chris and I which which gigs stand out from from back then? Um, it's a little bit later, but the Verve at Hay Hall was the the real iconic gig for me, the one that um, sort of that was the big one, wasn't it? They did as yeah, well, the, like a the home homecoming Wigan yeah. gig. Um, I saw Oasis at Main Road as well. That was that was pretty special. Mm, can I imagine? Oh yes. Yeah. W- w- was that the first time they played Main Road? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, when you were talking about um, oh, uh, wow. venues where you you would never have any reason to go to, and you probably haven't been since I, Oasis, I've got two of them for because I went to see Oasis at Irvine Beach in '95, and then at Whitley Bay. I think mm. it also in '95. Neither Bay, which what, the ice rink. <clears throat> yeah, free. It was freezing. My feet. It was November. My feet were absolutely because obviously they just oh. put put wood over the over the ice. Yeah, freezing. But mm. never been to Irvine or Whitley Bay since. Um, or an it's ice the rink. only time I've ever or an <laughs> ice rink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that, that's quite interesting. Yeah, venues where you would never go to. <laughs> For any other reason than to go to a gig, and that's it. So when when did Star Sailor come about? So you are going to gigs. It's ninety five. How old were you in ninety five? If you don't mind me asking. Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So when, or maybe maybe not Star Sailor. When did you start thinking? Right, I want to be in a band. Um, we sort of had little bands when. I was still at high school because you'd have like a, as part of your music GCSE, you'd have like an ensemble project. So the, those of us who were, who were into Oasis and I remember the first, uh, the first song I learned 
to play in a band. In fact, I wasn't even playing at that point in this particular band. I was just singing. It was uh, Babylon Zoo um, Spaceman. Spaceman. <laughs> wow. So... Again, that was an advert, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And then it sort of got released. Je- um, Je- what was his name? Jazz, J- so Jazz Man. Remember. That was it, yeah. Ja- is that um, right? Jazz Man? Yeah. And we, <laughs> yes. we, we learned... Uh, Oasis, Supersonic, as well. Um, Hang on, space. You you played Spaceman. Uh, I was singing it. Wow. I mean, because I suppose it... with with that song, it, it it's it's got a good bit in it, <laughs> and that was the but bit that got, was in the advert. Got but it's, it's got like yeah. a hip hop beat, hasn't it? Boom, boom, It's it's got a, it's an electronic song, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it breaks yeah. out into some weird guitar. Bam, 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 Which bit were you doing, James? <laughs> I think we did the kind of the rock bit. That is yeah. so funny. Yeah. You heard um, it here first, or maybe not. But James watched it. Space Man. The... That's amazing. That is amazing. Having, having caught the bug... The music from uh, Babylon Zoo. <laughs> I, d- I decided that um, I wanted to do music at college, and my my GCSEs weren't good enough to do uh, A level music. So um, I ended up at now I ended up at Wigan and Lee College doing a B Tech in music, um, and that's where I met the rest of the band. Well, serendipity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Were they being, we were, were they, you bonded were they over Babylon Zoo? We bonded over, over Babylon Zoo and, and not being good enough for A-levels. So <laughs> get in. Get yeah. in. Love it. Not long after not long after I started college, I met the, the bass player and drummer from Star Sailor, uh, Ben and Stell. And uh yeah, we started we didn't become Star Sailor for a few for a couple of years, but we were playing together and playing pubs around Wigan and Warrington. Um, what were you called? What were you called? Yeah, come on, tell the truth. Uh, we were called Morph at one point. Morph, Morph. as in yeah. as in the plasticine. Plasticine guy, slide yeah. with a Y. <laughs> slide with a Y. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Slide. Waterface. Waterface Water was one. Yeah. Hang on, are, are um, all these real, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how many busy names? How many names? What? And you were the same trio, same lineup? Yeah, we just kept changing the name. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Any more? Any more? This is all good stuff. Oh, we oh, we changed the guitarist and and uh, and changed the name. I can't I can't think of any others. Well, if you think of any more, just let me know. <laughs> And we'll we'll pop it in because oh I'd love this I I mean one of my favourite oh, moments in a in a in the Gig Stories podcast <laughs> history was was Rick Witter talking about um, um bro- <laughs> talking about Broccoli Haven their their uh, original yeah. name Broccoli yeah, Haven Broccoli Haven that's takes some bit I mean. You know, even slide with the Y sounds all right next to broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> but only just, only just. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is amazing. Who who came up with uh, Star Sailor then? I can't say definitively because I might have dreamt it, but 
I've got a distinct image of um, being at home uh, at my mum and dad's house in Chorley. And we were due to go down to London to do a gig because um, we'd already sent a demo off with Alcoholic and Lullaby on it um, when we were still called Waterface. Oh, and, no. Uh, we got a, a call from the social in London um, to do a gig down there. And uh, I think it was Martin Kelly was like, we, we want you to come and support this band at the social. Um, but you can't... <laughs> it, did he, did he no, tell he you say, to change your name? He didn't say that. He just said... A lot, a lot of people had said that Waterface is a shit name. You've got to change your name. <laughs> and he, he'd phoned up and said, "What, what are we going to put on the poster? We, we need a, what are you called? Like, um, because you, because you've told us that you're changing your name." And I'd been sent a vinyl album, Tim Buckley, Star Sailor. Um, you got it and from I, Tim Buckley, and I, yeah, I just glanced over at it and was like, yeah, we're called Star Sailor. Good show. That, yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. totally okay with that. My daughter yeah. is Grace, and I tell everyone she's named after Jeff Buckley's Grace. Mm-hmm. And then my wife tells everyone, but actually it's not. She's named after Sandra Bullock character from a film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can be named after both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what I tell people because yeah. I was not aware of the Sandra Bullock connection. Yeah. It's congeniality. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, which band were you supporting at that point then? There's a band called Birdie who Ooh. was signed to Heavenly at the time. I think. That rings yes. a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not right. the not the the young Birdie uh, with the really nice voice who's kind of released albums recently. This was a, no, no, a back in the day. So, yeah. what do you remember of? early support gigs were they a big part of star sailor you know becoming what it became um support gigs yeah i think i remember the um first tour we did was with doves in yeah. fact the first what the first big support we did was the beautiful the beautiful south um at sheffield arena and i remember we they gave us a vhs tape because there were big screens either side and they taped our performance on VHS, the, the venue or SJM or whoever, and they, they gave us the, the VHS tape. We were living together as a band in Wigan at the time. We didn't have a, a video player, so we stopped at the All Night Asda. Um, the All Night Asdas were a, a, a big novelty at that time as well. And, like, <laughs> and but actually bought a, a video player, so we but uh, we could watch this gig. So that, that was pretty amazing. Um, your, but yeah, like I said. And the Beautiful South was your first support slot. Yeah, yeah, as far as I remember. We did, we, we did like, we definitely did multiple band gigs when we were, um, when we were starting out, but it wasn't for anyone of any great note. So it was more and like show, both, a showcase kind of thing. Yeah, a battle of the bands or whatever. yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure the band that's on last would would say that everyone else was supporting them, but I don't yeah. think. It's, yeah. Um, but yeah, Doves was the first tour, like multiple date thing right. that we did, and we went to Ireland to support them, which was just amazing. Like their experiences that you 
you sort of continue to enjoy and, and appreciate, but there's nothing like that first time of um, getting PDs and stuff. It's like you, you're giving me money to go and get my dinner and I'm getting paid <laughs> to, to get up on stage and, and sing these songs. It's, it's pretty amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, there are there are questions. Uh, there's a question that I like to ask just around support gigs because I'm fascinated by them. Um, just because um, often bands will get smashed together with another band to support, um, just because they're maybe on the same record label or whatever. But then, be- because of that, they tend to be really incongruous. They don't kind of go together. Did you do you remember any any gigs where you would you were booked to support somebody and you thought why why are we on the same bill as them <laughs> we did an american tour with nickelback that was a that was a weird one shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is brilliant um, so how did that come about then was that the same record company or was that um it was an mtv tour Ah, and we right. actually we played the MTV two stage, which was which was situated in the car park. We actually, they set up a, a sort of temporary stage in the car park of these gigs. So when we played in the um, the sort of main cities where people were were starting to get knowledge of Star Sailor, we'd, we'd have a, a decent crowd and they'd be they'd be really good gigs. Um, but when we played in the kind of backwater towns, there would be yeah. nobody watching <laughs> us on this stage. And we could see like a queue of people waiting for the arena doors to open for Nickelback, just completely ignoring us. So it was quite oh a, my gosh. It, it was quite a, a, a dent to the ego going from um doing these really good sort of sold out gigs in the UK and things going incredibly well to the odd uh, day in America, like playing to a disinterested queue. Yeah. <laughs> going yeah. in to see Nickelback at the bottom of the mash pit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't stand. So did, um, when you're supporting someone like Doves, hmm. do you, are you watching them night after night? Yeah, or yeah, we definitely. We've supported the Charlatans a few times as well, and we'd we'd always enjoy hanging out with them and watching them. Um, but yeah, it was again like that. Those first few months, um, or year, or that first year, or whatever, when you first get to do it, and you've only sort of written a handful of songs, and suddenly you're supporting Doves and the Charlatans. It's it's a pretty magical feeling yeah and it's you do sort of quite quickly kind of I guess being young and and having the attention and stuff thrust upon you you do quickly sort of go from that feeling of of being in awe of these people and and um just disbelieving that you're in this position to to suddenly thinking now we're we're we'd never be so arrogant to say we're better than these bands but we be much more kind of yeah we deserve to be here and where these are our contemporaries now they're not yeah they're not on this pedestal anymore yeah um i I photographed you at castlefield bowl um when you were supporting james um and i remember because i'm such a massive james fan um 
and I, I just had kind of tunnel vision for for James, and I hadn't noticed who was who was supporting until I got there, and mm. and then uh, Blossoms, who I hadn't was it Blossoms who were on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Blossoms were there, and they were really early on um, in their career and in the evening, and um, and so that that was. A bit, but then you you came on. I was like, this is a treat. I hadn't realised that you were you were supporting. I was, <laughs> this is a treat. Excellent, and it was knockout. It was it was such a good gig. What do you remember Thank of that? Because it was a, it was a real belter. I remember it just the 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 bill just felt really smart. It felt really yeah. good. The crowd felt really warm. And uh, what do you remember? Yeah, I remember it being a lovely a lovely gig and a great. We supported James a few times, and it's always been been really good. I think the they seem to attract the the kind of fan that is a music fan and appreciates all all kinds of bands and all kinds of music rather than some bands are a little bit more tribalistic well yeah Um, and i think part of that is because they never play the same set from night to night and i think um fans who go and see them live they know that that's built into them. Yeah. They they know that they're going to get James and they're going to get some things from, you know, the mid eighties and they're going to get some stuff that came out in the late nineties, but yeah. they don't know what it's going to be. And they're kind of, they're okay with that. And I think that kind of feeds out into who, whoever's playing support or whoever's playing on yeah. the bill with them as well. There's a kind of, there's a, a tolerance. I think Tim Booth does that anyway, and the rest, you know, he kind of breeds that kind of tolerance with with everyone, especially with the trust that he shows when he, you know, he goes into the crowd and um, you know yeah. almost offers himself to the crowd. Um, I think. No, it was a great gig. I loved it. Um, have you ever, have you ever supported a band where the fans have just been? what's going on here who are you and just did not tolerate you because there's some great ones i mean you know shed seven talking about supporting aerosmith and you know there's there's some there are something like have you ever sort of uh, been a uh, support or or maybe on on a festival where you just knew you were beneath the headliner perhaps and those fans were not there for you have you have you sort of had that? Um, there was a small number of Manic Street Preachers fans who did not want us to be there. <laughs> we were playing. We were playing at um, Glasgow Barrowlands, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, the rest of the crowd was great, and we were totally like uh, honoured, obviously, to be supporting Manic Street Preachers, another amazing band. They're all They're right. just. They're just these, they're just these lads in the front row who were um, giving us the V signs and just giving us such a hard time. I don't know if I don't know if it's Alex who should be ap- uh, apologising here as a Mannix diehard fan or me as an honorary Glaswegian. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Gla- yeah. Mr. Barrowlands, you. Yeah. I mean, oh, because they were definitely Scottish. Those boys. I, I just, yeah. I just remember saying like. Uh, something really cocky like James Dean Bradfield has asked us to be here. So if you've got a problem with it, take it up with him. <laughs> good, good. Nice uh, uh, yeah. um, Chris referred to me sort of having a, a slight penchant for the Mannix. How how were they to be on tour with? Because um, I'm imagining boring. 
because they just want to sit and watch Sky Sports or keep themselves themselves because they're not actually that rock and roll at the moment. When when was this support tour? What year would this have been? Um, I've got a lot of time for the Manics because uh, this was like quite early on for us. So uh, 2001, 2002. Um, and yeah, they were all lovely. You're trying to remember which tour it was. Was it Lifeblood? I think I, I can't honestly, I can't honestly remember the the sort of name of the tour or anything. Um, but they were they were really lovely and um, Nicky Wire particularly because he he has a reputation of being a bit more um, out there or or more or more difficult to. I guess he's. Uh, Eccentric, I suppose, is the, <laughs> the the idea that is put across. But he he couldn't have been James Dean Bradfield and Sean as well. But Nicky Wire couldn't have been nicer and more uh, welcoming, and uh, he invited us invited us into their dressing room. And um, some years later, when uh, like the band wasn't it wasn't the sort of height of our fame or popularity or whatever. And my kind of solo thing is a lot more low key and uh, yeah, sort of play small gigs and stuff. And I got asked to support them again at this secret gig at uh, King Tut's in Glasgow. And brilliant. I don't want to kind of get too, uh, emotional or, or to um, self-depreciating or whatever, but it came at a time where I was thinking, oh, I was a bit in the sort of doldrums and thinking, oh, the, 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 uh, the glory days of the band are behind us and struggling a bit and just that it came at the right moment to be like, shit, no, this, this band has asked me to do this and uh, it was a good, it was a nice lift to to grab my guitar and head up to Glasgow and, and do this gig. A cracking wee venue as well, King Tuts. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, there's one thing, I before that. we get back Love onto that. live music again, I just wanted to ask you quickly, and you don't have to answer it, it's absolutely fine, but um, it's just about, <laughs> it can't not ask you about working briefly with Phil Spector. Um, and I know it... it, it <laughs> it, it looks like it didn't it didn't turn out as planned but what what, what do you remember about the the kind of relationship the work working with with um specter was it on the second album yeah yeah um it's obviously difficult to i guess you have to transport yourself back to that time because it's difficult to say anything positive about someone who's um yeah, well, we all know what kind of happened. No, absolutely. Afterwards. I mean, I was more more interested in the, 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 the style of his production. Yeah, the, um, yeah like, like I say, if we kind of imagine how people felt before all that came out. Yeah. Then, yeah, the, uh, the first few days when we recorded Silence is Easy were amazing. And um, he sort of implemented his wall of sound and opened up the echo chambers in the studio. Uh, yeah, it was... I was a big fan of 
Um, I'm still a big fan of Dion. Yeah. Um, so people, people, obviously John Lennon, he, he worked on Imagine and all these incredible, worked with the Beatles as well. Mm. Um, but it was Dion that really, that Born to Be With You album, that was why I was excited to work with Bill Spector. Um, but then it sort of went downhill after that, really. It just, uh, um, I was speaking about it the other day about how he's very, he was very controlling, um, not so much with us, but he didn't want the label to, to be involved with the process or to hear any, any kind of works in progress, which they didn't take too kindly to because they were yeah. paying for the record and they're like, Phil Spector was like, you'll hear it when it's finished kind of thing. So that created a, a tension between those two parties and they were sort of caught in the middle. I was going to um, say, yeah, he, that's, you, he, you, he, you don't want to be caught in there. He insisted on working odd hours as well. He, he came over from LA and kept LA time. So we were starting late and finishing in the early hours of the morning. Um, and I just had my daughter at the time. So I was going home to a, a baby as well. It was quite a, oh, quite a yeah. tense time. Yeah. Did you genuinely feel that he, he brought something new to your sound? Um, yeah, I think he's, he, the sound of silence is easy, particularly that track is uh, still holds up. Um, but I don't, there isn't anything that he, he did that we've sort of carried forward. What he does is so unique or, mm, or was, yeah. was so unique. So it's impossible to kind of take any sort of advice or any, any aspects of his sound and carry it forward. That's him. Yeah. Much, oh, yeah. Well, thanks for that because I, I, I think I would have kicked myself if I'd not, if I'd not <laughs> asked you. Um, Alex, I'm thinking we should um, wire into the, the quick fire round just now. Oh, yes. So your favourite live musician or vocalist, so you can choose. Who is your favourite to see live? Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Oh, so you are a big Bruce fan then? Yeah, yeah. Energy, his voice never seems to crack or waver through a sort of three and a half hour set. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. bonkers, isn't it? It, yeah, it literally yeah. just plays three and a half hours all the time. And like, wasn't it the last time you played Manchester? Well, I think he was doing it throughout the tour. He's taking requests. And this yeah. was a, um, the Etihad or whatever. He's taking requests. And someone, <laughs> didn't someone on that last tour ask him to do Santa Claus? What's the Christmas one? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, just did one. it. And it was the middle of summer. And he was like, yeah, all right then. <laughs> and that is, that takes well, I, do I, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, but I, I managed to get a free ticket to go and see him at the, uh, the arena and it was his um, Seeger Sessions tour. And I didn't really have an opinion on him, um, good or bad. I liked some tunes. I liked uh, um, uh, Thunder Road and um, I liked um, I liked um, Streets of Philadelphia as well. I had a bit of a soft spot for that. I thought it was a beautiful That's tune. a great song. It's, yeah. it's gorgeous. Underrated, Re- that song. Really gorgeous. Um, but I went to this gig and thought, okay, well, I've got a free ticket. I'm an idiot if I don't go. I went. He was on for about three hours and I didn't want it to finish. I didn't want it to end. And you can't, you know, even your favorite band, you'd kind of go, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm probably done now. 
Well, yeah. him, it was just nonstop, yeah. and it was not none of the hits. It was all, it was all Seeger session stuff. It was so it was Froggy went a courting, mm. and um, we will overcome, and all these um, protest songs. Oh, did you see that? I like too? that. I'm just, I'm just going to throw this in. Go on. Even with my most favorite bands, I probably there's a limit to how long I'd want to listen to them. But have yeah. you, so you just mentioned that, Bruce, a Springsteen one. James, I'm going to ask you this question. Yeah. Who have you seen that you genuinely thought I could, I could listen to them all night? Mine was Nick Cave at the Liverpool Philharmonic Hall, and it would have been ooh, 98, 99. And I have still to this day never witnessed anything like it. And it was just him and a piano, and then he would bring maybe a, a violinist on, or someone just with a snare drum on and off. And I, I could have sat there for five hours. Who could you sit and listen to all night? Um, again, Bruce Springsteen. But uh, I remember uh, seeing Feist play at oh, yeah. uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire. Um, and she played for an hour and a half. And that felt like five minutes because it was so <laughs> enjoyable and engaging and I could think of, you always think of loads of songs where you think, oh, she didn't play that or she didn't do that. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, she, I, yeah, I think, yeah, she's a really good, a good performer as well. And you remember, you remember those evenings. They, yeah. I've seen a ton of bands and some great performances, but there's just a few standout like that that you just go, yeah, I'll never forget that Nick Cave. I'll never forget yeah. that Feister mm-hmm. Shepherd's Bush Empire. I love those evenings. Okay. Question number two in the quick fire round. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you have a favourite venue? Uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire. Yeah. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I've not been. I've never been. So what's special about Shepherd's Bush Empire? Um, I think it's just the perfect size. It's like big enough to create a big kind of noise and atmosphere, um, but small enough to still be, to still feel like you're part of something quite intimate. Hmm. Um We've played it a lot of times, so I know I know the layout of it, which is in, in quite important as well, like how to get to the bar and the, yeah. the backstage bar or whatever. The shortcuts um, are important. Yeah. Yes, they are. Just every every gig we've played there and every gig I've seen there has been has been great. I like a I like a venue with seats as well, or or mm. a venue where you can get stuck in if you want, if you feel like going in the mosh pit. Yeah, but I like an option. Fit, I like to have the but option. If you want to sit, <laughs> but if you want to sit down or hang back, you can do that as well. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm totally with you, especially at our age. I mean, you you're a bit younger yeah. than than me and Alex. Um, but but yeah, with our knees. Yeah, I'm not standing on an ice rink again. With our knees. <laughs> what's what's your what's your best ever moment at a gig? Um. A gig that I was playing or a gig that I was watching? Up to you. Yeah. Up to you. <laughs> I remember watching the Verve at Hay Hall and, and thinking this this is what I want to do. This is... Ah, uh, uh, you had a lightning uh, bolt moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it during a specific song or am I being too specific there? Or was it just that um, whole gig you were just like... Just the whole gig, really. I need to be up there. Yeah. And um, on a slightly sort of sadder note... Um, Another kind of iconic gig that I was at more recently was um, the John Brooks um, tribute night at the Albert Hall. Mm, yeah. Um, seeing uh, Liam and the Charlatans do My Sweet Lord and 
hearing them kind of blast through the the hits as well that was a really um highly charged sort of emotional occasion and mm. um, were you just uh, were you there as a punter yeah yeah, yeah. you were you were mm-hmm. yeah and and of course there's a there's a nice link between those in as much as pete is now yeah 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 uh, drumming for the charlatans last question in the quickfire round um worst gig and again, this can be either as a as a punter or as a performer. Worst gig. The worst gig I've ever done was a solo gig, and I was touring in Australia, and I got this random booking in a mining town called Mackay, and it was a long drive to get there, but it was a good sort of payer. So we're like, well, well, we might as well do it. And the crowd didn't know any. Not only did they not know any Star Sailor songs, um, I'd kind of got used to used to doing the odd gig where it's not my crowd, so I'm like, okay, I'll throw in a few covers. I was playing uh, Elvis, The Beatles, Bob Marley, and just nothing, just <laughs> no reaction. <laughs> oh, God. It were they was, there for someone else, or were you the only person playing that night? It was... It turned out it wasn't really a gig. I was like, I was the turn. I was the, <laughs> the entertainment. But it paid quite well. So I think there must have been a lot of money in this mining town. So um, <laughs> were they literally were they just stood in front of you, just staring? Yeah. I should have known it was going to be a bad gig when I walked through the door and the barmaid was in her underwear. And I what turned, what? I turned around to this like leery old bloke who was sat at the bar and I was like why is the barmaid in her underwear and he just said Skippy Tuesdays mate (laughs) (laughs) that was the explanation Skimpy Tuesdays (laughs) (laughs) and obviously obviously the um the anti-misogynist what would be the word for someone who's so pro pro women's pro women's rights Part of me was like, I've got to walk out of here now. Um, (laughs) Yes. But I (laughs) I needed the money. money. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) and I was younger, forgive me. Um, But yeah, it was a, it was an awful, (laughs) an awful game. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, James. It's a skimpy Tuesday. So uh, you're going to have to play in your boxes, mate. Yeah. Your boxes. (laughs) That is brilliant. That I uh, maybe well, to be fair, mate. Maybe this girl was happy with Skimpy Tuesdays. Who knows? So yeah, she may well have been. <laughs> yeah, and if she yeah. was happy with Skimpy Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's fair enough. Yeah, that's that was the worst. Before we take you to the last couple of questions, I just want to. Now this is a tough one to whiz through. I don't want to. I don't want to push you because I know you may need time to have a think about it. But it's Dream Festival time. Okay. Yeah. And so you are curating your own festival and it's your dream festival lineup. So whoever you want. Mm. And um, you need to think of who's going to open. So who's going to ease us in? Or you may not want to ease them in. You yeah. just may start with a bang. And then you've how, got how, how many acts do you normally? So you've got your opener. You've got yeah. your afternoon slot. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got your penultimate, who were the real warm-up. Yeah. And then you've got your headliner. So you've got your four acts there. Now, listeners, you may have heard this question being turned into an actual podcast by one of our <laughs> favourite DJs. <laughs> <laughs> but you, 
You heard but it here you first. Know, but you will know we've been around for over a year. But Sean, Keevney, if you'd like to come yeah. on to our podcast, please do. So you've got you've got four acts. So James Walsh's festival. Who's opening? Phoebe Bridges. I mean, we could have been here all day and I would never have guessed that. Yeah. Phoebe Bridges. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Really good. What what is it about Phoebe that you that you love or that you enjoy? Um, I like her sort of deadpan, um, <laughs> downbeat nature and <laughs> I love I love her songs. Her melodies are amazing and um it's just reassuringly uh, gentle and uh, accessible in a yeah. in a yeah in a yeah I guess that accessible can be used in a sort of negative way but for me it's just I mean that in a real in a real positive way like uh, yeah. the music's just warm warm and um, uh, confident and great yeah yeah, yeah. No, no, kind of welcoming um, yeah. Well, yeah, you've eased us into the festival really nicely. I've just gone like and got that. a burger. I'm going to yeah. sit sit down. Um, got my pint. Going to sit down. Sun's blazing. Um, who's on next? Uh, badly drawn boy. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, Mister Goff. Love it. Yeah, Damon. That is it. So, have you been a a, a long time fan of Damon? Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw him a couple of years ago on a festival. We were both on the bill. And it's just really, really great. Um, was that when he was? Engaging. Was it just him? Yeah. Was it just yeah. he playing on his own? Yeah. That set is so good, isn't it? When he, I love it when he plays with the band. But that set when he's on his own, it's yeah. just fantastic. I've never seen him with a band. I've seen him about five or six times, and every single time is he's been just him. Really? So I, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him with a band. He's um, perfect. He's perfect for the afternoon as well. Like laid back. Um, yeah like it like that good choice good <laughs> choice you got your penultimate now the real warm-up to the headliner who is coming on and entertaining us um there's gonna be loads of bands that i think no i should have said them or i should have said them <laughs> yes um but i'm gonna go with sam fender all right you're, you're preaching to the <laughs> choir here <laughs> you're preaching to the choir <laughs> yes <laughs> the choir being me yeah, yeah. Prior being Alex. I saw him. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I saw bit him my tongue earlier. I bit my yeah. tongue earlier when you mentioned Bruce Springsteen on both times, <laughs> yeah. because I wanted to say, well, I've only really started listening to Springsteen properly since Sam Fender, yeah. <laughs> which I can understand the irony. Yeah. And so my daughter and I are obsessed with Sam mm. Fender, and we've seen him. A few yeah, times. he's, he's when, amazing live as well. So, yeah. When when have you seen him? Um, I think I watched him. Because I follow you on Twitter and I saw that you went to the Manchester gig. I think we went the night after because you did, or the night before, whichever one it was. Oh, you, you did were on two the first nights night at the, Two nights at uh, Victoria Warehouse, um, which was brilliant. Yeah, I think. Uh, and it was great. amazing, wasn't he? Yeah, you can't beat, like I say, there's loads of um, bands who I'd love to see, but you can't beat a, a band or an artist who's just, reaching their peak or entering their kind of uh, glory. Hopefully he carries on for a long time, but this feels like his his glory period or whatever. Yes. Um, and seeing an artist embrace that and do their first sort of big gigs and big festival appearances, I think uh, it would be pretty, 
pretty magical to see. And he is unashamedly ripping off, you know, Bruce Springsteen. And he says, and in his, uh, uh, the gig you'd have seen, he does his Dancing in the Dark yeah, cover, doesn't yeah. he? And he, he's just, I love him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll show you on Friday night, my <laughs> my daughter and I were in the Northeast and we went to the Low Lights pub where he has his, yeah. his, his Brit Award as a, as a pump on the bar. And, <laughs> Amazing. But anyway, that's enough of my sad fanboying at the age of 44. We want to know. Headliner. Yes, come on. Who's who's headlining? I've actually been um it's been changing in my head as I've been as I've yes. been talking to you. That's what I like. The the kind of I guess the sentimental answer, because they're such a great band and um this is the automatic answer. They, they, unfortunately, they, they've uh, just been pipped to the post. But I was going to say the charlatans, right? Um, okay. But they've, okay. But they've been they've been pipped to the post, and this is like painfully obvious. I'm afraid, but I just it would have to be Paul McCartney. I've got a B here. I had, yeah. I had B out of camera for Beatles. Yeah. I'm going to say Beatles. I was the only, yeah. and he's gone for, are you going for Paul McCartney or are you going for the Beatles? Um, you can't, no, 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 no. Alex, you can't go for the Beatles. You can't have the Beatles. <laughs> what, why? Because do you know what? No one ever says it because it's a cliche. Yeah. No one ever says the Beatles because like, oh no, you couldn't say the Beatles. I think... Bloody right. All right, go on then, Beatles. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick. Stick with Paul. I'm going to stick with Paul McCartney because um, there are a lot of his solo songs and wing stuff that I really like as well. Obviously. Yeah. Frog, frog chorus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, Mulliskin a... Tire, Pipes of Peace. <laughs> Pipes, of Pe- Pipes of Peace, I think, is an absolute classic because it's got uh, three melodies that could just be taken out and made into beautiful classic pop songs but it's got three smacked into one tune it's just I incredible think, uh, i like backseat of my car um and um monkberry moon delight uh but i remember seeing paul mccartney in america when we were on tour wow. there and he played blackbird and he played yesterday on a guitar on his own and it was spine tingling. It's like this is the closest we'll get to seeing the Beatles because that's how these songs were written and performed. So, yeah, it's just in and it's almost like seeing a in in the best possible way, sort of seeing a, a piece of history, a kind of museum thing, you know, weird sort of live museum things. It's without getting to overblown about it. it's like this is our back our Mozart our kind of hit. the Beatles are just in a for me they're in a completely different league to absolutely anyone else really yeah. like the the songwriting ability like obviously John Lennon and George Harrison as well Ringo can, Octopus's Garden <laughs> exactly <laughs> can I ask yeah. if because uh, this would definitely be something the listeners will be talking about are you both watching get back the yeah. documentary or chris am i gonna have to give you my disney plus login no no i've i've uh, i've got it to watch i haven't watched it yet um but yeah i need to find the time i've been working quite a lot i'm excuses excuses oh, but you know it's incredible there's it. a few moments yeah. and and i hope it is similar for us uh, but uh, 
not being a musician, it might be slightly different. So the moment where George Harrison and Ringo Starr are sat on the edge of a little stage, mm. block your ears, Chris. I'm just pushing yawning. the earphones <laughs> into my ears so I can hear you better now. <laughs> yawning while Paul McCartney picks up a bass and um, just is literally playing about with chords and then in two minutes, we now hear yeah. what we know is going to be get back. Yeah. Is, it blew my mind. It, I was there going, Shit, that, that, that's not how it happens, is it? Is that how you musicians do it? Because he's literally just titting about, isn't he? He's obviously yeah. had some chords in his mind. And you're there going, oh, my gosh, he's just created that. And the, and the same with uh, with Let It Be. And I, I, I tweeted that, actually, because we um, that was my my one of my dad's favourite songs. And we had that at his funeral. Yeah. And so seeing, seeing Paul sat at a piano and, and just, oh... It is incredible. It is incredible. What a festival, James. Yeah. What a festival. Knockout. Well, I, I'm aware that we've we've kept you for for quite some oh, time oh. now. So I think if we go to our last couple of uh, last couple of questions, Alex. Um, I like this one because we are always looking for uh, live recommendations. So live artist, band, whoever, who do you recommend? that Chris and I and the listeners that we go and see live? Who do we need to see live? Um, trying to think who I've seen recently. First aid kit, if they come around. Oh, that would be really talking. good. Obviously, Sam Fender and Phoebe Bridges, who I've, I've already mentioned. But yeah, first aid kit I saw at the Roundhouse before. Um, oh, wow. Well, a few years, a few years ago. I was going to say before lockdown, but it's like maybe three or four years ago now. Laura Veers as well. She's a really good one. A kind of slightly more cult artist, so you might get to see her in a sort of smaller venue as well. V-E-I-R-S, Laura Veers. It's fantastic. Oh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I, 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 don't yeah. know, I don't know her, so that is exciting. Well, we'll find yeah, something we'll of hers and out. put it on. Is there, is there a particular track that we should look out for? Because we can put it on, her, on your episode page on our website. July Flame. July Flame. Flame. Right. We'll, okay. we'll pop that on. Um, and then the last question is really um, a live track or a live album or a live performance that's been captured on, on video. Maybe it's on YouTube or whatever. Um, is there something that you, it, it, that's a go-to piece of live music that you really couldn't live without? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think there's a particular Bon Iver song that I don't think I've never sort of seen it on any of the, I think it's called Haywood, Wisconsin. I've not seen it on any records. It was written for the first, the, yeah, the first album, the forever. Yeah. Um, forever ago record. And he plays it and it's just an amazing song. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the one that springs to mind. We'll Brilliant. put that on. That's a great recommendation. Because yeah. he is, he's something else. He's amazing, isn't he? He's great live as well. He's another one who like, I'm kicking myself that he's not on at my festival. <laughs> well, <laughs> him and the charlatans are texting yeah. each other now. Saying, <laughs> yeah. Bitching about it. me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Totally. You know that? That blooming idiot, James Walsh. Yeah. We're not going Paul to Paul McCartney, his... indeed. <laughs> Paul, who? Paul, Paul, who? Yeah. Uh, Brilliant. James, thank you so much. Absolute no privilege, absolute pleasure. We shall get uh, all those things on to uh, 
to your webpage. And if you do get to your mum and dad's and you find that box with those yeah. stubs in, you take pictures and you send them to us. And, cool. and I don't want to remind you, but I do. If you want to see Chris's Excel spreadsheet, just make sure you let us know. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> James Ross from Star Sailor. Thank you so much. Cheers. No worries. Mr. James Walsh there. What a fella. What a fella. Just beautiful. Lovely man. Lovely man. And in the intro, I uh, told you that I went to see him before Christmas. And so, so if you listen to that whole interview, you will have been as surprised as Chris and I were to hear that one of the first songs he covered uh, in his one of his incarnations of his early bands was Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. <laughs> And listener, I kid you not, I didn't buy this because it. I owned a copy of that on vinyl, 12-inch vinyl. So I found it, dug it out. You took it off the wall. I t- took it out of the frame, put yeah. it back in the sleeve, <laughs> took it off my record player. And I, uh, I took it with me uh, as James was busking in Piccadilly Tram Station in the centre of Manchester as part of Tim Burgess's Final Adventures Day. And uh, which that was just lovely. Hearing his amazing voice echo in the tram station was just epic. Mm. And I presented him, listener, with said copy of Babylon Zoo's Spaceman, which brought me a lot of joy and a smirk on his face. Well, I mean, (laughs) the, the photo of you presenting it to James is actually on James's um, webpage on our website, gigstoriespodcast.com. And um, you're both wearing masks and you can, <laughs> yes. but you can see the grins behind the mask. And you can see the grins in the eyes, you know. Well, I, I had it in a bag and he literally, he, I could, obviously I was there, I eat. He just didn't know. He's like, oh, what's this? And he was genuinely taken aback. He was like, what? No way. That's brilliant. So it was good fun. Now, as it stands, Star Sailor are still due to reschedule um, a few of the dates that were cancelled. And I believe that there's a handful, literally a handful of tickets remaining. And they're playing, they're playing that album. So uh, check out the website. Keep an eye on their socials. Um, and when those dates are rescheduled, um, we'll be going to Manchester, uh, get and see them because they're, they're a great band. And to hear that album in full, I, mm. I can't, I can't. Absolutely. Wait. They're also playing, um, they're playing Neighbourhood Festival as well. Oh, yes, that's right. In Warrington. And I, they'll be playing, I think they'll be playing a few, uh, a few festivals around the country in summer. And check out uh, James's website and his solo dates because he's just gorgeous and his music is just genuinely wonderful um so go and go and see james live too so yeah big thank you james what what a what a gentleman and what a privilege it was to chat so you can find us as always on our socials facebook twitter instagram gig stories pod send us your questions send us your answers to all the questions that we ask we love hearing from you your your first gigs and seeing pictures of your merchandise and ticket stubs and 
hearing about your favorite gigs and your worst gigs and your most riotous gigs so mm. keep in touch and keep a close eye because we have got some brilliant guests coming up oh oh we've been having some people confirm for future episodes and they are eye-wateringly good so honestly i cannot believe some of the guests who have agreed to come on oh it's elton john is going to be quite something i I really can't believe he's coming on it's amazing and uh, demis russos yeah (laughs) wicked uh yeah i'm I'm beside it bet midler yeah we still to nail down a time and a date with with bet but um yeah it's it's gonna be great we've got some wonderful guests i I was just gonna say with bet midler it's not she's not gonna be in person we're gonna be doing it from a distance yes yes Oh my gosh, listener! Oh help God, me, please! You don't get this gold. I can't believe we've not got a Patreon site. This oh. this should be the the the, the content Ooh, that people pay yeah, for. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, I just it, can't, listeners. Keep listening, please, please. So <laughs> In the name keep... of God, please. <laughs> like, subscribe, and uh, tell all your family, friends, and all your enemies. Bet Midler, watch this space. <laughs> See you next time. Ta-da.